ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends of all shapes, sizes, colors, creeds. This is Shark Brain, the podcast that deals with creativity, musicianship, artistry of all forms, including acting, writing, the whole kit and caboodle, using your brain juice to make babies and put them out into the world. That's oddly gross. I'm Jake Newton, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in, clicking in, hitting that icon to download. I really do appreciate your support. This week, we've got Eric Curtis, jazz musician, bassist extraordinaire and producer here in Los Angeles. He's got his own solo project along with another band called Fleeting Heart. I'll put some links up on sharkbrainpodcast.com so you can check him out. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about the elitism of jazz and the lack of the feasibility of a musical career and fighting against the tide and being a good hang. It's an interesting thing. That's uh, with all my friends that are side guys. Side guys, for those of you who don't know, who aren't in the uh, lingo, which now I'm starting to sound like a pompous jerk, but it's just somebody who gets hired uh, to play other people's music. The sideman. It's a very noble art form. A lot of uh, a lot of your favorite licks and a lot of your favorite tunes, your favorite part of your favorite songs, have been played by side guys. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head because my mind is a little frenzied from the enormous amount of coffee that I've had today. I can't quit it, people. I can't stop. I have actually gone to bed earlier so that I could be awake and get coffee. I wouldn't have to be awake at night so I could get to my coffee sooner. This is how, this is how bad it's gotten. But I'm, I, I, listen, there are worse things to be addicted to. I mean, diet soda. I'm, I'm starting to wane on that. That's, that's a good thing. What's going on with me? Let me let me talk to you about what uh, what's happening in the world of Jake Newton. A couple of gigs coming up. Um, I'll announce the other one a little bit later next week in the other podcast. But I am doing the Hotel Cafe Ho Hotel event this week. Let's take a look. Uh, let's check out who we've got going there. Friday, December the 13th and Saturday, December the 14th. That's what's going on. I'm looking it up right now on the website. My night that I'm playing, I got Carrie Brothers, Javier Dunn, Broken Anchor, uh, let's see, Rupin Par- Carpenters, all these people have been guests of the show, including Garrison Starr, Keaton Simon, Sammy the Great, Pete and Jay of Harper Blinn, lots and lots and lots of people. The next night as well, uh, which I'm going to be at as well, just as a a viewer, The Absolute, All Spots to Black, Phil Cronengold had him on the show, it's great, Brother Sal, should have him on the show, got to bring him out here, Holly Conlin, Miko, Lamont Nouveau, Jay Nash, it's going to be a big old party, and all of it's benefiting the Los Angeles Fire Department Spark of Lug Toy Drive, so you're going to be given to a good cause and having a good time as well. If you wanted to pay for all these people to go see their shows, it'd be untold hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and it's only 10 smackaroos, which you can buy at hotelcafe.com. I highly recommend you do that before it sells out, because these things sell out every single year. I'm on around the 930 block, but that gives you no excuse to not come early and stay the entire time. I am taking over your next weekend. That is what's happening. You're going to come out and you're going to support Spark for Love and you're also going to find all kinds of new favorite artists of yours. Sorry if I didn't mention you guys uh, in the opener for those of you who are listening that say, hey, I'm playing Friday too. Come on, listen. I just don't have that kind of time. And I'm Look, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna back up and I'm going to say that I love all of you equally. I'm looking at this list, but I just uh, I want to move on to the next part of things. Next! Went to go see Inside Lewin Davis over at the Arclight, and it's a very strange thing to go to a movie about uh, about a field of work that you do. I imagine that uh, I imagine that brilliant genius janitors who had been sexually abused by their parents had a hard time watching Goodwill Hunting. For this movie, it was it was a it's a story about um, about a musician who gets in his own way a lot and uh, is kind of an active, loud, boisterous failure in front of all of his friends. That, that felt, yeah, that, that, was, uh, that hit pretty good. That was, uh, that was near home plate for me. Um, it, was good to, it was good to see, good to kind of hold a mirror up to a lot of uh, the, the, uh, the concerns and, the, um, and, and hell, the life decisions that you make, especially if you're... Uh, if you're floundering a little bit, which I, I'm a kind of a professional flounder, um, to see to see a movie about somebody who's just getting in their own way, kind of really twisted my head. Yeah, yeah, in a in a good way, in a good way. 
Um, it was a weird timing too because uh, Grammy nominations came out. I have several friends with uh, with nominations. A couple of which that come to the fore of the my mind. Uh, Milk Carton Kids. I want to give you guys a shout out for getting uh, nominated for Best Folk Album of the Year. That's huge. I remember f- three or four years ago, we were all hanging out and you guys, Joey and Kenneth, started going like, hey, why don't we play on each other's songs and do a couple of shows together? It's nuts. It's nuts what you're able to achieve when you just put your nose to the grindstone and just literally kick your own ass across the United States and Europe back and forth like those guys have done. Congratulations, you guys. Also to Sarah B., for record of the year. Come on. That's amazing. That's incredible. I am very proud. I'm very proud. I'm also, I'm also feeling a a little uh, inferior about everything with uh, just about everything, guys. I I don't want to get too personal about everything, but hey, you know what? Uh, There's only one hour of therapy a week, so we might as well do a little second hour with me. You know, we're, you're constantly having to call your own work into question if you have difficulty actually keeping the lights on and the bills paid and that kind of a thing. It kind of makes you feel a little bit like you're not really doing it right or that you're not actually doing it at all. If a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, much like a few records that I've put out, if you do it and it doesn't, you don't really do it for the accolades because if you did it for the accolades, you'd uh, you'd shoot yourself in the face anytime you got a bad review and therefore you'd be dead after the first single that you release. So you, you do it because you have to do it, but there is a certain sense and certain need about creating work that you want you want it to reach its audience. You want it to find itself and sometimes you, you feel like you're floundering a little bit. At least I feel like I'm floundering. I don't, I'm not ashamed to admit that. I, I think that a lot of times people get uh, bound up with the facade and what you need to do to be maintained an artist. I, I think that the, our views on artistry and our views on the relationship between the artist and the world are rapidly changing. I mean, 60 years ago, 50 years ago, hell, 10, 15 years ago, their artists were kind of held on this weird lofty bridge that you found out about them in little snips and pieces and sound bites from, from television interviews and, and Rolling Stone and that sort of a thing. But now, I mean, everybody's got a Twitter. You can at reply anyone with a Twitter, which is the strangest thing, and it'll show up. They can actually feasibly have read it if they're engaged in that sort of a thing. A lot of people from the old guard don't actually jump down that road. People like Tom Waits or, say, Iggy Pop or or, uh, these delightful Luddites, so to speak, don't really jump in on that. And I I think that... uh, I don't think there's a right way and a wrong way. I think that there's a way that I do it, the way that I have found, which is I feel like an, an intense need to connect. I can't be a mysterious person. I want to be a mysterious person. I always would. I would love to be the guy with a collar turned up and uh, smoking a cigarette underneath the lamplight, just looking very, uh, very forlorn to have people go like, oh, what's his deal? What's his thing? Oh, him? Him? He's the sad guy. Wait, well, hold on. He's, he's going he's gonna to drop a bit of knowledge on us. He's going to say a, a, one or two cryptic sentences and then fade into the dark oh what mystery i'm not that guy i'm a seething ball of need tension anger distress uh oversharing it's just uh i i feel that that's that's the way i have to be and and maybe to my own detriment i don't know maybe we can all weigh in on that who knows what is what is this this live essay that i'm working on right now uh, of artistry and mystique in the modern world who knows who knows Anyway, congratulations to my friends with Grammy nominations and congratulations to the Coen brothers for such an amazing film. Uh, again, twisted my head. Loved it. Hey, let's talk about positivity as it pertains to the season. Huh? You're feeling beleaguered? Are you feeling beat up by life? Are you feeling, are you feeling like, like you don't really remember why this time of year is so special anymore? Well, look no further than jakenewton.com, where we're going to be having a 30% off sale on all Jake Newton items. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That sounds, I, sound, I feel like a corporate shill. But seriously, uh, go over to jakenewton.com, and all of our items are 30% off. All of our items? It's just me running this show. Who am I kidding? It's not like I can... Oh, hold on, hold on a second. I've got to talk to the shipping department. Hey, shipping! Do we, do, we have enough, uh, do we have enough items to send out? 30% off for everything? Yeah? We do? It's just me in here. JakeNewton.com is run by JakeNewton.com. I am the beginning and the end of my employee roster. This company is a sole proprietorship 
we're pushing this train up the hill. Granted, I'm not saying I don't have my fair share of support, which is where you guys come in. Thank you all so much for continuing to write in, for continuing to give me suggestions on who I should have in on in the show, for the comments you've made about the Ben Lee episode that a lot of people really dug and the Lee Newton episode. It was a great chance to sit down with my kid sister. We got a lot of guests coming up over these next couple of weeks that I'm really excited to talk about, but I don't really quite know what order I'm going to put them in yet, so I don't want to I don't want to tease you and not uh, not tell you already. But Let's segue right now. Let's go into uh, Eric Curtis, uh, who is a great hang, funny, funny guy, wonderful personality, and just an an, an amazing, an amazing bass player. We're going to get into it right now on Shark Brain. Hey. Did we start yet? Oh yeah, we're, we're, we can go whenever you want to go, man. Is this is this live? This is live. This is going on, out to the masses. This is live streaming right now. People, yeah, can I've hear actually us. got we've got a fifteen second delay in case you curse. You know? Oh yeah, that's a good question. I should ask you about profanity. Profanity is fine. I want you to be. I want you to be your true and utter self, which, from what I know, is a complete sailor. Okay. Yeah. Great, dude. We're all welcome to Shark Brain, dude. Thank you, Jake. I got Eric Curtis in the studio today. Hey, everybody! That millions of. Millions. Listeners out there? Dozens. Dozens of listeners. Dozens of millions. Yeah, dozens of millions. Well, dude, uh, we have a regular gig together on Sundays that we play every week. We sure do. Week. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, we, we gig together. You played with me. I have... Uh, We've played on gigs together for different people. This is all true. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Jake Newton fan. Yeah. Dude, would you call yourself specifically a bass player that's what you're because th- everybody you know you're multi-instrumentalist like so, so many of our other friends who kind of like go into all these different directions just because you have... I don't know, an insane amount of curiosity about everything, and so you just ran it down. But would you call yourself a bass player? I would say, first and foremost, I am a bass player. I went to college for bass. Mm -hmm. I took bass lessons, Yeah, and I read bass clef. So I would say (laughs) that I am a bass player. Mm -hmm. However, um, as a... There you go. Um, I... After, you know, years of being the bass player, Mm -hmm. as people often do, they start to get a little bored and they want to try exploring some Mm -hmm. other things and see, hey, am I living to my potential? What else could I do? What else might I be good at? So I have, you know, jumped into the world of production and songwriting and all that stuff. And, but what's interesting is I don't, you know, like people who know me as a bass player, are really surprised when they find out that I do that stuff, you know, and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily advertise it for that world. I don't like to cross streams. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah. it's weird, like when you play with a bunch of artists and then you're just like, hey, 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 let's write some songs together and let me produce your songs. And, you yeah. know, you don't want to be like uh, that guy. So I try and just, you know, some people don't even know I'm a bass player and they mm-hmm. think I'm just a producer. And then some people. So you keep those worlds separate. Them. I try to. Mm-hmm. And like, if, you know, I, I always am a fan of the idea of people finding out about what you do through word of mouth mm-hmm. because I feel like it speaks higher, yeah. higher in volumes than... Than, be, you, than proselytizing yeah, your own kind of thing. Be, push, being the, being your, the town crier with the, the sandwich board yeah. sign on you in a bell. Look at me! Like, Everybody look at me! What's well, strange, man. I, I've had that own uh, argument with them myself about, you know, the, there are two different kinds of artists, it feels like. There's the quiet dude in the corner, and, you go like, and people look at him and go like, what's his deal? And it's like, oh, you don't know about him? Right. He's, he's, he's Elliot Smith. He's this, you know, haunted genius that just every now and then drops, you know, lyrical poetry on our heads and makes us all think about life in a different way totally. or it's like the whole person going like oh they were on seven seasons of the idol and like exactly. are just like jamming their music down your and throat and i think that's totally okay too and honestly like in this business and it is a business as much as we love uh thinking yeah. without word that you know think that we should just be rewarded the, with money for our arts yeah just we're the without- deepest artists alive um there is no shame in self-promotion there is mm-hmm. no shame in you know letting people know like and that's i mean and i don't not saying i don't necessarily do that i just it's more about keeping those two worlds separate between mm-hmm. bass and and production to add to the legitimacy of right. your self-promotion exactly okay. okay so but that you know i'm dude people you know and I, for forever i was like no i hate being that guy i'm not mm-hmm. gonna be that guy but it's like man 
those guys are winning. So yeah. be that guy. And they got to pay the bill. They, they're paying the bills. I just saw that Lewin Davis thing I was telling you earlier yeah. last night. And that basically, it's it's sort of loosely based around Dave Van Ronk from the 1960s. And who was always the guy that uh, was a bull in a china closet and just lived his life uh, like he was going to live it and, and didn't want to count out of the man and be a square and all that stuff and didn't play ball, really. At right. all. So as a result, he kind of kept this, you know, he kept a certain mystique about him. Those who are real folk heads about that era know about Dave Van Ronk, but I, I, I don't really know the particulars, but with, with this story of Lewin Davis, he just, he never really quite makes it. He's always thinking about the immediate and the now and like, I want this now and I'm not, and he just, he's, uh, puts off, defers responsibility for all the other stuff and is like this character, which is romantic, but at the same time, doesn't pay the bills. Exactly, man. You know, it's a it's a game, man. It's it's the most dangerous game. You thought it was hunting people, but you it's know? not. It's the music industry, <laughs> which is kind of like hunting people. It's the same thing. It's, it's exactly the same thing. Well, cool. Dude, let's go back a little bit. You were born and raised in Southern California, always. Dude, I am a Los Angeles native. You're a rarity, man. That's what I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody I know who grew up in L.A. is they're some of the most normal people. Yeah. That are of my friends. Mm-hmm. All the crazy people are like, you know, yeah, like you from, we, from oh, Northern yeah. California. Yeah, All, yeah, nuttier than a bag of squirrel turds, man. That's, <laughs> squirrel turds. Yeah, man. Uh, that, Thank you for saying squirrel turds, by the way. Oh, you're right. welcome. You're welcome. It's actually it's, it's a tie-in with Squirrel Turds Incorporated. We're, yeah. They're our sponsor this week. That's your DBA. Yeah, that's my DBA, Squirrel yeah. Turds Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> get a lot of chuckles when I get uh, when I get refills for my checks. <laughs> so, was it uh, just L.A. proper, L.A. here? Like uh, I grew up like... Um, Right now, we are in Eagle Rock-ish, mm-hmm. which is where we're doing this podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you drive up the two freeway another 10 minutes, that's where I grew up, in La Cunada, California. In La Cunada? Yep. Okay. That's it. And my folks still live there. Mm-hmm. You know? Wow. And uh, it's, a good, it's a good place to grow up. And then you drove down the two a bit, and then you went to school at USC, yeah? I did. I went, and I studied uh, jazz and classical bass performance. Really? Which is probably the best thing you could do uh, with a college yeah. opportunity to get a degree in that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what I like? That's jazz- a joke. Yeah. Do you know a lot of jazz jazz jokes? I know a lot of jazz jokes. Let's hear your best one. Um, let's see. There's so many good ones. I'm, can I not tell a jazz joke and tell a classical music joke? Perfect. Because it's much more funnier than the even jazz better, Even I'll better. I'll give you a jazz one. These are like dumb. They're like, hey, how do you make a trombone player's car go faster? I don't know. You take the pizza delivery sign off the top. <laughs> Stuff like that. Not funny. But this one I always felt was so brilliant. And maybe it's because I, I dated a couple of French horn players in college. Mm-hmm. But how, do you, how can you tell if you're making out with a French horn player? I don't know how. When they try and put their fist in your butt. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. just brilliant. That is brilliant. Is this PG-13? Uh, listen, listen, if you're listening to this with your kids, you might want to put some earbuds in because it's about to get raw. <laughs> <laughs> there, Curtis. Why did, you, why did you want to study classical and, and jazz? I mean, not that you, not that like why, but like what, was, what led you there? I will tell you exactly what leads everybody there. Mm. And it's this. If you grow up playing music and you're good enough at music... Mm-hmm. And this has changed, I think, since when I went to college, you know, years ago. Um, (laughs) I Well, first of all, I went to an arts magnet high school in East L.A., Mm -hmm. where I was in the orchestra and the jazz band. Yeah. Those are the two things they offer people. Magneted towards. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So it's like, well, you either play jazz or you play classical music. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I play like rock music. Is that? And they're like, you can play jazz or you can play classical music. And you're like, all right, I guess that's kind of more of a jazz thing, but... Mm -hmm. And then you just kind of go down the, what I call the jazz hole. You just yeah. go down the pipeline <laughs> and it kind of just keeps, you know, mm-hmm. keeping you on your path. And then you're like, well, I want to go to college for music. Well, where should I, uh, where should I go? I mean, where can I go and, uh, well, you can do jazz or you can do classical yeah, college. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, all right, well, those are your only two opportunities. Mm-hmm. Now that being said, I totally was in it and I was totally into it. I went to jazz school and I played jazz and I thought I'm going to grow up to be a jazz musician. Really? Which I did for a couple of years out of college. I hooked up with this um, singer named Sarah Gazarek, who is uh, very well known in like Japan, you mm-hmm. know, one of those kind of jazz artists. Mm-hmm. So I was on tour with her and we were touring kind of all over the world. And I was like, I've made it. I am playing jazz clubs all over the world mm-hmm. and I'm playing with this singer and, you know, like, great. And mm-hmm. then I was just like, you know what? This is kind of, this is it if yeah. in this world. So. You know, I was stoked and grateful for that opportunity, but to be honest, my heart just wasn't in it. And mm. 
I do love elements of jazz, but uh, just not my world. And yeah. so I uh, I sold my soul mm-hmm. to uh, rock and pop. I got a I did a record for an artist named Josh Kelly about many years ago. Mm-hmm. About Two, yeah, about that time. About yeah. that time, mm-hmm. two thousand six, two thousand seven, and he was just like. Hey, was man. that his big breakout one with the, with the baby? No, movie? no. I, this was a couple... This was maybe two records later. Okay. The first record I played on his was called Special Company. And we um, and he was just like, dude, you want to go on the road? Mm-hmm. And I was like... And I thought really hard about it. And I was like, yeah, I kind of do. And so I quit that other band and mm-hmm. went out with him and never looked back and never... Yeah. Uh, played jazz again no yeah. i do on occasion but do you listen to jazz like as, as far as like you're like hey you want to pop in a mingus record and just you know, no. Sort of, you know, no 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 mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. no i don't um i i'm a big fan of uh uh the mexican hat dance though that's kind of uh, what i'm listening to right yeah, now that's, that's like exclusively over that song that's <laughs> really good um yeah i think you'd you'd really dig it and yeah, check it out i should probably like like jump in on that one yeah. it's a really it's man it's it'll open up your your world musically yeah. <laughs> uh think about it but um yeah, you know what's funny? I kind of got that jazz world. It's just like such like this kind of jazz Nazi like thing f- with everybody, and I just kind of got burnt on the whole the whole idea of there seems to be the a jazzitude. Jazzitude, yeah. There's a there's a hierarchy of of you know everybody has their favorite and everybody has like their purism of what's jazz, what's not, and and this almost as though they're leading a, a crusade against. The banality of the regular normies with their, you know, your yeah. three chords and your, you know, your, we play all the notes, that kind of a vibe. Yeah, exactly. And it's always been a mystery to me because it's like, man, this whole jazz elitism thing is like, what? First of all, if you look at the, uh, you know, for example, jazz record sales or yeah. record sales in general, but jazz record sales yeah. in particular. It's like you guys need all the friends you can get. What's up with the attitude? That's true. That's you know? true. I don't. I don't know what that. I mean, maybe it's like that feeling of being alone against the world, or, or like too many people like me showing up, going like, I just don't get it. But to be perfectly plain and honest, I've tried so hard. I mean, a, a buddy of mine uh, when I was like twenty, we went up. We were in uh, not Berkeley, but uh, in Oakland. And what's the famous jazz club up there? Uh, Yoshi's. We went to Yoshi's, and we saw. Um, we saw a trio play, and then we were like, "Man, I was going, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna get into this." I've got, and the entire time, I, went, I remember going like, "Man, I, I really wish I could sing along to this, but I just can't. I don't have it. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I mean, I have wanted to know. Which I, I saw Harry Connick Jr. on that Come By Me tour that he did. Yeah, yeah. The whole, I, 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 I have appreciation for it up to a point, and then it's just. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I, maybe I'm a simpleton. Maybe I just, you know, I, I grew up in an area of the world that was not uh, cultured enough. That's certainly true. Yeah, I'll tell well, you, you, you know, yeah. you are a redneck, my that friend. That is true. That's true. When you when you came up today, I was working on my car. Yeah, yeah. Shirtless and I 40 saw that, weather. and it's really cold out. But you have a great physique, so you can pull it off. That's true. That's true. I work out once a month, whether I need to or not. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's you have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. So um, you, you shirked all the all the jazz. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm kind of like uh, there are some jazz I can listen to forever. Yeah, you know, I love Oscar Peterson Trio. Mm-hmm. I love you know. There's things that like man, I can listen to that nonstop. But it's not like jazz, jazz, jazz. Mm-hmm. You know, like anything in the jazz genre, I'm cool with. It's like mm-hmm. it's kind of a few specific things that I'm super into. Ray Brown, who is like actually the most recorded bass player in history really? is like my favorite mm-hmm. bass player. And he's a jazz guy. He's an upright guy. Yeah. And I still play upright and I love it. And you know, it's mm-hmm. all good. I'm not, I, you know, it's more about, uh, I don't dislike the genre as much as I kind of dislike the, uh, situation of modern day jazz mm-hmm. musicians in that world. You know, mm-hmm. I did an interview with, uh, uh, a guy who's a composer, not uh, classical, and he uh, he was something like sixty six or sixty seven. Had lived through you know like all of the the huge pop you know phenomenon of the sixties, and has never been to a rock and roll concert. Really, had never gone to one. I mean, told me about going to see Placido Domingo's uh, play and I, and about all these, like the London Philharmonic had been around the world and just had never been to a rock concert, which is the strangest thing. It's like giving up sugar, like for your entire life. Yeah, you man. just have no idea about what, I mean, yeah, that's, maybe that's a good comparison because it's rock and roll. Like you gave it, you gave up the, the cerebral, the heady for this immediate visceral, like punch you in the face with something kind of a, a music. Yeah. Yeah. So... Maybe maybe sugar is that equivalent, but it's a, he just had no context. I he you know said I he said I can appreciate certain things about Jimi Hendrix with his you know weird kind of atonal structure. I was going like you have 
I mean, that's not what we're not about yeah, appreciating. Dude. It's like, man, you got to do some heroin and take your pants off and then listen to that record. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In that order. Yeah. Yeah. In that order. So what was the, was, was the Josh Kelly thing, the defining moment? That was kind of like, that was a, the first like pop gig I ever had, uh-huh. which was cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, and that being said, like, actually, I mean, I did other pop gigs when, you know, before that, but like the first like full-time touring gig yeah. that I had in the pop world. And it was really fun. Mm-hmm. It was really great. What's um, the difference between touring in the pop world versus touring in the jazz world? Um, well, touring in the jazz world means like kind of, you know, flights and one-offs. There's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you you go and you play these jazz clubs, which are like nice upscale clubs and people have to pay like $50 a person to get in with mm-hmm. their two drink minimums and their minimum food orders and stuff. And then, you know, the pop world is like you just played – yeah. rock clubs and yeah. that sort of thing you roll in at three o'clock in the afternoon and it smells like grenadine and piss yeah and- exactly you know and like you know and i've since done other rock tours or pop tours where they're less glamorous and you're in a van and mm-hmm. you're playing the shittiest shitholes in america <laughs> um and uh it's really fun it's yeah. super fun yeah what were you listening to in high school but with, other than the jazz and that kind of a thing that got you into well when i was in high school that's when i was like so i grew up on like punk rock like i loved like like what minor, minor threat minor threat like a lot of the fugazi kind of yeah, stuff yeah, like a dc was, hardcore kind of I, stuff i got really into the dc hardcore thing but then i was also into like the descendants were like mm-hmm. one of my favorite bands and when i was in high school i was super into and you can appreciate this because i think you were into the same shit mm-hmm. like jawbreaker oh yeah you know oh like, yeah like that was that was my jam in oh yeah in high jawbreaker school. get up kids promise ring dude that first get up kids record that is so rushes. fucking good are we, are it's we, are, so good are we something about to write home about oh something right home about i thought you were talking about four minute mile though oh that or the Red Letter Day before that. Well, Red Letter Day was on. Red Letter Day was on. Uh, Something right home about. Uh, oh, that well, that was a there was an EP before oh, that. Oh, yeah. okay, right, oh, right. Like, mm-hmm, oh, I'm gonna okay. show my emo to yeah, yeah, there you go. I was went and saw them when I first got into Los Angeles. The first thing I did was buy two tickets for two nights at the uh, House of Blues Sunset to on the Something to Write Home About tour. Oh, dude, yeah, saw both nights and that uh, uh, changed me. It's so good. It was just so good, and mm-hmm. I'm I still listen to it. I'll yeah. still put on. I still put on Descendants. I still put on Minor Threat. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah, I totally love it. Yeah, you have know? you heard Ian McKay's new band? No, yeah, the, I can't remember the name. I actually got a vinyl of them, and I, I've yet to actually, yeah, get my record player going. But yeah, um, he, him and his wife are are going strong. Really? Yeah, that's still great. Doing it, man. It's all love duets. Yeah, that's probably what it is. There's that <laughs> they, they do the song from Titanic together <laughs> over and over again. Just the whole record, just with downstrokes. Yeah, yeah, over and over. Yeah, Minor Threat was a uh, there. There was a big punk scene growing up where I was at, um, simply by virtue of the fact that there was nothing else going on, and some kid had the bright idea that punk kids don't have money to go between San Francisco and Los Angeles. Well, you know, why not have a stopover where they can make a bit more money and play, just have cool. a larger tour. So we had. I mean, tons of bands come through. I don't know if you're familiar with like. What uh, was the club up where you were? It wasn't a club. It was like a VFW hall. Nice. It was the community center, and, yeah. and like all these skinheads would come out of the woodwork and stuff. Yeah, dude. Like Buck 09 would play. That MXPX. happened here too. I yeah. remember. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Buck 09. Yeah, man. Yeah. Lots of ska punk and lots of midget punching and uh, what's it, like Circus Bogus and 15 from the Bay Area. Yeah, those guys. Dude. They even had propaganda come through. Nice, dude. Yeah. You guys had a nice little stop. Yeah, man. It was Neil Platfoot and a bunch of dudes. Um, they were all buddies with Blink um, from when before they were Blink 182. And so, yeah. The funny, funny about the skinhead thing, though, huh? Because that was even happening here in LA. Like these kids from like, so we we grew up in La Niada, and these kids from Tahanga would come over. Yeah. These like skinhead Nazi kids. We're like, uh-huh. what the fuck? Like yeah. this is like you guys live twenty minutes away from here. Yeah. Like, how are you guys Nazis? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's really strange, yeah. though, right? Is that, it's that, so that, weird. I know, there was a few of the kids that kind of thought that you know, hey, I really like this kind of looking like a stage four cancer patient with terrible clothes. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to be racist. I'm just going to be a sharp, sharp. skinheads yeah. against racial prejudice. Exactly. Is the acronym, man. which is just, I mean, you look like a weird, uh, a weird sailor from a ghost ship, right? And you still you. look like a skin. Skinhead. That's yeah. where it's kind of confusing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's like we beat up skinheads who beat up yeah, yeah. us and other minorities. S- strange. Anyway. Strange. So you got to like, – obviously there's a certain level of teenage angst that sort of after a while you're going to go, that eh, kind of fades. It's weird, this arc that you go like punk – into leaning into more emo where you go like oh but wait a minute I'm sad I'm not as angry as I am sad now yeah you're right and it's then, the progression of life and then you go into Elliot Smith because yeah. then you're like wait a minute it's just too loud and you actually have I have an Elliot Smith tattoo yeah from figure that, 8 that's how fucking nerdy I am yeah I solid Elliot Smith was a big um, artist for me in getting out of the jazz hole yeah Um. in fact the way I kind of like 
made my name in LA. Um, I mean, suggest, I mean, what name, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? The kind of, when I first started making the scene, doing the rounds, um, I would, well, it was right after LA had died and I put on these Elliot Smith tributes, um, at this club called the Vic in Santa Monica, uh-huh. um, which they would put on, we they were at, they were like $5 to get in and it started at midnight on Thursdays hmm. and I would do it once a month, um, for the few months after he died. But you know, the, leading up to that was when I was in, I was in college and I was playing jazz and I was feeling really like, you know, unfulfilled. Like why well, I'm playing this genre that doesn't really mean much to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to be dedicating my life to this and I'm practicing every day and I'm learning how to play bebop and mm-hmm. whatever. Then I discovered Elliot and I was just like, whoa, you can like still play smart, like music, like mm-hmm. music that, you know, has some kind of uh strange voicings and t- yeah and, like, just like more intellectual harmony mm-hmm. and have it be something really beautiful and meaningful and in a rock slash pop whatever mm-hmm. folk setting yeah and that just blew my mind because that was the thing is like when you're in jazz school all the professors are like being like this is the highest art form and all other all other art forms are bullshit so mm-hmm. you know if you really want to be like the best musician you have to play jazz mm-hmm. You know, there's something you said, like, to study jazz, like, you know, it does open up your brain. But then you get into somebody like Elliot and you're like, dude, not only is the intelligence behind this movie, movie, music, mm-hmm. uh, behind this music, you know, equal to the intelligence behind jazz, mm-hmm. but it's also, like, so deep and meaningful Raw. and, like, yeah. just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are jazz songs like that, too, obviously. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. Just through and through and in, in like a, in a modern setting. And, you know, I was just some, it was really important for me and it totally like changed my life musically. It mm-hmm. totally like opened up my eyes. Well, there's some weird move like eat that tune, Miss Misery. There, yeah. Those, those weird like major sevenths and that kind mm-hmm. of a weird, the, just the strange voicings. What's the movie, the, the documentary on him? Uh, the big, not Ballad of the Big Nothing. That's, that's the, the book. book. Yeah. Uh, the movie, the one that came out recently the, for the 10 year anniversary or? I think so. I don't know. Before then, I think I, I went and actually, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'll, I'll throw it in there uh, later. But uh, yeah, there was a, a documentary on him basically just around, uh, around his Portland days and then in New York. Just, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was heartbreaking. It's, it's amazing that someone can actually make that kind of music through the pain, which is like, totally. it means you just have to do it. Yeah. You know? And it's great, you know. It's funny. I listen now, like when I was in my twenties, and you know, because I'm not in my twenties anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, I lived by those records, and now I kind of listen back, and I'm like, okay, I get it. You're sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's funny. That's there's these stages that you go through, and that's that's the same thing. I'm, I was on my way up home for Thanksgiving. Um, it's a four hour drive north, and uh, and kind of ran out of podcasts, ran out of uh, like my normal Spotify list. So that hey, you know, let's this is some. Jimmy World and go into that or go down that rabbit trail. Let's listen to, we listen to the first, uh, Promise Ring record or Elliot. Do you remember nice. that band? Yeah. Yeah. I do. All those guys and kind of like, okay, I get it. I get it. I mean, it's like, oh, I remember this. And you kind of go, mm, yeah. And this is some pop music. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's a white. Dude, call white, me maybe. Yeah. Call, call me maybe not so sad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so after post college, you get these, these, uh, pop gigs. Now, the strange thing about, though, obviously, the music industry these days is that it's kind of like you know ass in the wind style about everything. You yeah. just kind of have to become your own boss and then and beat yourself to death and work in all kinds of different things. in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how do how are you able to just to continue to put yourself out there and to continue to spread um, yourself? just in people's conscious minds to be able to have you for gigs. Was it just like building upon building? Or? Yeah, just kind of, you know, it was word of mouth. Like when, it, so after I got on the road with Josh and I was doing that, then other bands that would be, we'd be on the road with, I ended up being bass players for their bands. Like mm-hmm. this band called the Kin and this dude called Pat McGee, who was big in the oh, DC with the area. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those, those, Aussie, those Aussie dudes. Yeah. Good dudes. Great band. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, through that, then, you know, after that, I went on the road with that chick Lenka, who's uh-huh. on Epic Records, and uh, Greg Laswell, and a bunch. Of, you know, it's just kind of. Mm-hmm. And I met Greg on the Lenka tour, and it's yeah. just kind of like when you're on the road, it's really easy to meet mm-hmm. other artists and have them see you play. And if they, you know, obviously if they like the way you play, then they're going to call you for mm-hmm. the next tour. So it's kind of just one led to another, one led to another. Then after I toured with all these bands, Josh was taking a big break, and then he ended up getting a country deal mm-hmm. in Nashville, and he called me up and he was like, "Hey, dude." Do you want to come back out and be my MD in Nashville? And I was like, eh, why the fuck not? You yeah. know, never really spent much time in Nashville other mm-hmm. than touring through. 
So I went to Nashville, ended up co-writing a bunch of songs for him for his record, and then I got a publishing deal in Nashville hmm. based on songwriting, and I was writing songs in Nashville in between going on the road with him because the way they tour in Nashville, you know, is weird. They only tour three, four days a week, and the other days off they have off. Just going around uh, like the East Coast and the Midwest and that kind of thing? Yeah, kind of. I mean, that's the thing about why Nashville is such a great music town is because it's a great hub to kind of shoot out and work your way back on the bus. Yeah. And you can pretty much get anywhere in, you know, a matter of 10 or 15 hours. Yeah. So the way they design in that town is they're, you know, they're home for church on Sunday. Wow. So, so it's, it's really just like a grinders going out there and yeah, hitting the... You, you leave on like Wednesday or Thursday. Like a traveling salesman. Totally. Wow. And then you're back the other day. So I was writing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of every mm-hmm. week. And, uh, you know, it was cool. And then I, you know kind of got out of there it was just a little too much away from i basically lived in nashville for those two years oh, wow. and uh i got home a couple days a month and my girl had just moved back from new york to come live with me yeah and i'm like all right sweet thanks for moving back home now i'm gonna go to nashville for a couple years Peace, yeah and so i at the end of 2011 i was like all right i'm kind of need to get out of nashville mm-hmm. i kept my publishing deal for another year or so and then I was back in LA and uh, yeah. So anyway, to a long story of answering your questions, it's kind of like you just kind of don't try, try not to plan for anything and just, mm-hmm. you know, take it as it comes. And- well, I think that you might, you know, what, what really helps with you is that you're a great hang. I mean, that's, that's, you know, there's the twofold thing. You got to be able to play your ass off. That's the main thing. And you know, there's a certain latitude given if like, if a dude can really, really play his ass off, but he's not a good hang, then Big people, time. then he's going to like, like, they're going to accept a couple of clammed notes. If the guy's great the other 23 hours of the day, you're not in that case because you do both. You, you like, you're throwing yourself head hole heart into the bass you do stuff that i've never thought that a bass player could do tapping slapping yeah it's true it's true he pops and locks you pops know. and locks yeah here, a, here we go ready there you go there it was um <laughs> and uh yeah you know and i mean i'm a huge believer in that like i thank you for saying that i i feel like i'm a competent bass player and musician but to be completely honest man i know tons of great bass players mm-hmm. who are probably better than me but they may not have had the the work that I've had in it, it is because, you know, in this town, everybody can play. Yeah. There is nobody who, I mean, you know, with a few exceptions, I'm sure there mm-hmm. is nobody who's, who can't play. Yeah. So the only thing you can really do is be cool. Yeah. Just be a cool dude. And that's why it's so funny to all those auditions, you know, mm-hmm. because there's so many cattle call auditions in LA. And it's yeah. like, I guarantee you that every bass player that walks in this room is, more than competent enough mm-hmm. to play this music. Yeah. What y'all are looking for is who's best looking. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. why it's just so hilarious. You yeah. Know? There's a, there's a, there's more than a few gremlins that like to hunch over their bases. Like it's raw meat and they're eating it in the dark, like Gollum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, more than enough, more than enough of those people. But yeah, that's, that, that seems to be the vibe of things. And, and also part of the, the selection process, cause I've never actually been paid to be a side guy. Um, Probably just because I'm just not. It's not. You that. are ugly, bro. Yeah, well, the, 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 that's just true. It's true. It's too much. I, my my parents threw acid on me when I was a baby, yeah. just to see what is that would what happen. That is. Yep. That's that's that. For that, the record, in case anyone doesn't know what Jake looks like, he's a beautiful, beautiful man. That's true. Just, and he's not wearing pants right now. Nope. Nope. And that's what makes this interview a little bit, a little bit awkward. But we were going to get through it. There's steam on the microphones. No pants. No pants dance. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean that that I've never actually been a side guy. Uh, and, and so there's, you know, when, when it comes to the question of, of the hang and that kind of a thing, there's always, I hear from other people that it seems to be, you get that call. Like you'll, you'll get a call from somebody saying like, Hey, so-and-so he plays the keys. Is he cool? Yeah. Yeah. It's not necessarily, and they won't say like, can he play? They've yeah. already auditioned him. They've already seen how much he's like. That yeah. everybody can play. Yeah. You know, the dudes who can't play are weeded out very quickly. Mm-hmm. And even there's dudes, there's a saying in, um. In Nashville, actually, hmm. which is funny, there are dudes who don't necessarily they can't really play, but they're so cool it doesn't matter. Yeah. So there's a saying in Nashville they call it "Bros before pros." Bros before pros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. I like it. I like it, man. So you you've been doing co you're are you still doing co writes or are you kind of putting yeah, that in the background? That's kind of what I've been doing. That's my main thing. I basically after I got off the road in two thousand at the end of two thousand eleven, I decided I'm going to take two thousand twelve off from going on the road. And I'm just going to focus on writing and mm. producing. And it's been great. I ended up, you know, probably writing, you know, I don't know, 150 songs that year. And wow. then um, 
And a lot of them, like, you know, were cool songs and some of them made it on some records and so, you know, mm-hmm. it's been enough to, to be able to keep doing, it, which is really great. Mm-hmm. I've had some songs, you know, recorded by some big artists. Some have made the record and some have not. Uh-huh. Um, but as long as they're getting recorded, you know, it's just a sign that you got to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been really great. You know, I got, uh, I put my studio together and taught myself how to do all that stuff and really like, you know, mm-hmm. strive to, uh, become, uh, you know, yeah. relatively good at that. You mm-hmm. know, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't want to say I'm great, but I, I feel like I know what I'm doing. Dude, and the proof is in the pudding, man. If you were able to do that and keep the lights on, yeah, come on, dude. and that's the goal. Because you know, here's the thing for all the us, of us touring musicians, and I still, you know, I just did a tour a few months ago. I'll still take tours, but the idea is, what are you going to do when you're not on the road anymore? Yeah, you know what I mean. And so you're going to have to figure that out eventually. So I'm just trying to start to figure that out now mm-hmm. too. And it's so fulfilling, like creating music and recordings that you know these things that kind of last forever. It's not yeah. fleeting like one performance. Um, but you know, you can, you got to, you're creating, you know, what, what, when you have kids, you know, do you want to be gone all the time? Do you want to, yeah. you know, it's like that kind of thing. So it's like, what's next? Yeah. What's the next level, you know, and always kind of trying to figure out what that is and being in front of it and, you know, being prepared for it. And that being, you know, that being said, like I spent basically that whole year, man, I made no money, like <laughs> zero money, but I knew I was like, you know what? I'm committing myself to this mm-hmm. and it'll be good. Yeah. You know? And you'd squirreled enough away from the the tours and that kind of a thing and the wheeling and the dealing of doing that kind of like, you know, being, it, it feels like you, you kind of have to, you gotta have to be a real good poor kid yeah. in, in this kind of thing. You have to like, there's, there's certain, you know, like there's budgets and then there's like crazy budgets. Exactly. Being able to do that kind of a thing. You know, I grew up, I grew up dirt poor, you know, I, I like, that's what I like about you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Scrappy kid. Pulled myself up from my bootstraps yeah. and I realized that those boots don't fit me. That's why. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, getting involved in, in the musician's lifestyle kind of felt like, you know, out of the frying pan into the fryer in a lot of ways. It's like, ugh, coupons again. Okay. Right. Let's do this. I got it. And let's do this coupons. Let's do this coupons. You and me. We're going on Wednesday because they count for double. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's, yeah, the, doing that, having to do that dance with that kind of a thing. And then being able to say to yourself and others, which for me is the hardest thing to kind of go like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a music. I, you know, this is what I do as opposed to like, going, this is what I'm trying to do and failing miserably at, you know? Right. Yeah. Which yeah, is exactly. The kick, your, kick yourself while you're down thing. That's, that's what I'm really good and at. And you gotta, uh-huh. and you just gotta figure out, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like there have been big gigs that have come my way that mm-hmm. one reason or another it didn't work out or, you know, I was busy doing something else and I couldn't get out of it. And like, you know, it's like, it's, it's really easy to get caught up on what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, well, this guy has this gig or this guy's doing this or whatever. It's like, you know what, man, you just got to do what you got to do. And mm-hmm. it's totally okay. And if you can make ends meet doing that, you're winning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, dude, do a vanity project, you know, do some rich person who wants to mm-hmm. take you on the road and, the music's horrible and whatever. It's like, dude, it's all good. Do what you got to do. And that's going to allow you to, you know, make mm-hmm. your own record. That'll pay for your record, which yeah. is something really important to you, you know? So I, you know, there, I have no judgments. If you're a musician and you're making it work, you're winning mm-hmm. hands down. And don't, you know, don't feel weird about where everybody else is at. Don't mm-hmm. worry about that. Everyone, you know, as long as everyone's doing it, everybody wins, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Now, well, you got a side project with Kathleen Grace. I do. Yeah. Thanks That's, for bringing that up. Well, of course, man. Of it's, course. It's called Fleeting Heart, mm-hmm. and it's kind of an alt country jam. Yeah, dude. Uh, we Ka- played a show recently together. That's true, yeah. and that was super fun. Yeah, man. Um, we're playing on uh, January twentieth at Silver Lake Lounge. If in case anybody wants to go. Yeah, do that. We'll put a link to that up on the website too. Yes, right? yeah. it's fleeting dash heart dot com. And it's a fun project. And it, what's funny is that. Um, all the production stuff I've been doing has mainly been like pop stuff, like yeah. total like <laughs> kind of stuff. So it was really refreshing and great to produce this record because it's just totally like acoustic, cool, mm-hmm. all country, you know, that yeah. kind of vibe, which is, I love that music. Yeah. The, so, the Jayhawks, Ryan Adams, you kind of, a yeah, thing, you, know? you know, and mm-hmm. that's, that's my favorite stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really cool. And that's, you know, when I got my publishing deal in Nashville, I was like, cool, I can write country music, but no, it's not like that. So no. this was like a cool, my, my version of like the country music I like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, it's a good, it's a fun project, and I love Kathleen. She's great. She actually married me and my wife. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. You got re- married recently, about a month ago now. Yeah, to a woman. To a woman, in fact. Yeah, a very good-looking woman. Oh, thank you. A beautiful you. woman. I Maybe would we can say. Put a picture of her up on the website. Yeah, there it is. Actually, we're gonna flash it right now. There no, it it's is. Always radio. You can't see. <laughs> but uh, so, how's that going, man? It's, it's great. Yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. so far, so far, so good. Uh, to be honest, I don't think it's gonna work out. <laughs> Yeah, it's strange, man. Are you noticing? I was uh, as I uh, was changing from being a the long time boyfriend and then um, long time fiance into the husband thing. There are a few moments where you kind of. I was over at uh, the Daylight's house, and, yeah. and we were we had to go because you know, we were going to go meet dinner. I was like, oh, my wife and I have to go. You know, it just came right out. It's a strange thing because you kind of throw that around like a shiny new penny. You're like, my wife this, my wife that. Yeah, it's weird, I, it's weird saying wife. Mm-hmm. It's totally weird. That's the weirdest part about it. But other yeah. than that, it's pretty much exactly the same. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So, what do you think is up for the with next with the Eric Curtis train? What do you want? Well. Do? Thanks for asking that. I'd like to take this opportunity to uh, talk about my new app. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's called Words with Friends with Benefits. Words with Friends with Benefits? Yeah, it's... Uh, Is it all just uh, bad words? It's just Scrabble for the casually dating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm planning on... I'm looking for investors right now yeah. in case anybody's uh, interested. Any, in, any um, mul- multinational moguls or... Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. You know, um, I... Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm producing some records and I'm doing some... I just... Um, got called to do, I'm doing some, uh, string arranging for uh, a record coming up and I'm, mm. ju- you know, I'm just kind of doing whatever a fleeting heart's going to be doing a new record in the new year. And I'm even thinking about doing another breakfast all day record, which was my solo project I put out in 2011. Which was great and, and out you. and weird and good. And it was a weird, it's weird stuff, weird, wild stuff. That was when I, I made that record before, or actually came out later, but um, when I got my Nashville publishing deal, I was like, all right, I'm about to write some cheesy fucking songs. Mm-hmm. I better put out some, some of the coolest or what I think is the cooler stuff that I've been mm-hmm. writing. And so that was, uh, that mm-hmm. project. Yeah. What would you give ad- advice for somebody looking for a publishing deal? Like what's cautionary? Um, I ways? would say that number one, you need to figure out if you really need a publishing deal. Mm-hmm. So for example, Pori Hemple, that is Spanish. Oh, see. Um, call your, if you're ASCAP or BMI, whatever it is, call them up first and say, Hey, introduce yourself. If you don't already know them and say, uh, I'm looking to do some co-writing and hooking up and hook up with some people who, you mm-hmm. know, might be able to help each other out. Um, essentially, and BMI has done this for me time after time. Um, they do, they kind of fulfill the same thing as a publisher. They'll hook you up with people, you know, um, What's great about a publisher is that they will pitch songs, but I have to be honest and say that anything that I've gotten, any songs I've written have gone on records, I've gotten myself. Yeah. Not through the publisher. So while it's great to have a publish- publisher kind of keep track of your, you know, mm-hmm. publishing, you know, you can sign an admin deal and they'll take a lot less percentage. Yeah. They'll essentially do the same thing. Um, however, if you need cash, if you're strapped for cash, mm-hmm. Go ahead and get a publishing deal because that's all they're really going to do is give you a little bit of money up front. Yeah. And then you have that money, but it's really not worth it. It's like you can get a better deal getting a loan from a bank. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I would say that you don't really need it, mm-hmm. but it's a great opportunity to make some new connections. Yeah. Which there are other facets you know, yeah. there are other ways of doing that. There's going out and actually meeting people and calling people and saying, let's hang out. Yeah, exactly. That kind of works a little bit better, especially how incestuous this town is, man. Totally. It's really strange how they're, they're just like five connections from everybody. It, it's so true, man. Mm-hmm. And you know, the only, the real advice I would have for anybody who's wants to get into that world or whatever, is just like you ultimately you got to be fearless and you can't be yeah. self-conscious and like, you know what? If you feel weird about, you know, like, oh, is this lyrics suck or whatever? It's like, you know, just put it out there. Be yeah. fearless. And maybe it does suck, but maybe it doesn't. You know, there's so many times I remember I've been in a room and I'm just like, oh, God, I can't say this. This is mm-hmm. horrible. This is cheesy. This is whatever. And then I'll be like, I'll just say it. I'll say it. And then I'll be like, oh, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, you just got to. You just gotta be, be run with you, it, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. I've been doing a lot of co-writes lately, and uh, but like the cold co-writes, which is oh yeah, yeah, dude. Know, that, I mean, that's, that's Nashville style, though. That's too, Nashville, right? dude. Yeah. Three writes a day, five days a week. Wow, you're kidding me. Yeah, 
It's kidding. crazy. And then you end up with like a bunch of tunes that suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's some people you can actually, I find like, uh, well, who do you find is actually easier to write with as far like, like producers or artists? Uh, I love writing with artists. Yeah. Um, it, I love the idea of like having something you're writing for. So mm-hmm. like if you're writing for them, yeah, you know, they know what they would sing. They know what they wouldn't sing. And it's really, it's been really great. I also do like writing with producers too, but you know, there's less of a chance of that song mm-hmm. finding a home. What's great about writing with artists is like, man, if they love that song, they're going to put that song on the record. Yeah. You know, but then sometimes it's really hard writing with artists too because they are like very specific, specific thing. You know, yeah. and you're like, how about this? No. no. How about this? No. no. How about this? No. Look, I give you say, gold, and you're just sniffing. Oh, come exactly. On. And then they'll be like, "How about this?" And you'll be like, "Really? Really? Okay. All right. Man, if that's what you want to yeah, sing about, as long as we can get to the bridge by lunch." Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming in, dude. Yeah, man. Thanks yeah. for having me in. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's been we'll great. we'll put up on the website. Make sure to check out Eric Curtis at Fleeting Heart, and also EricCurtis.com. Uh, EricCurtis.com. Mm-hmm. That's my website. Bing bang boom. Uh, Shark Brain. Do Shark. We, should we do the theme song? Yeah, let's do it. Ready? Yeah. Shark brain, 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 shark brain. <laughs> You know what's great about that? What? We're adults. Yes. All right. Even more so now. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me on. So dig on that. What a great dude. He's a great hang, man. Stands to reason that the 23 other hours of the day that he's on tour with people, they love being around him. He's a light. He's hilarious. And he's good at his job. More people should be like him. Go to jakenewton.com for tour dates to get info on the Ho-Hotel coming up. All the future stuff going on. There's a sale, people. A Christmas sale. 30% off all Jake Newton merchandise. Sign up for the mailing list, continue to proselytize, retweet this, send it out to your friends, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or at sharkbrainpodcast.com. I appreciate you for all that you do. Let's continue to seek, search, love your friends, and be well. 